Hello everyone, my name is Beryl and welcome to my podcast, Creative Force. If this is your first time listening, it is good to have you with us. For everyone else, I'd like to welcome you back. I'm here today with Cynthia Turner, who is an author. And I personally know Cynthia from Brick as a community producer. She's a fellow community producer. And after not seeing her for a while, I ran into her about two or three weeks ago at an event at Brick. And the event had something to do with pitching your story. But I'm going to let Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia. How are you doing? Hi, Ms. Bill. How are you? I'm, I'm good. good. Thank you. I'm Thank glad you, you came. And um, so tell them or tell us what you were here for, what the event was about. Well, the event was, they call it a pitch. And a pitch is when you share your ideas. Again, like you said, to, first of all, let me just back up and say thank you for having me, Ms. Bro. I You're appreciate this <laughs> so much. Um, the pitch is when you basically talk about an event, idea, um, a book, a project that you have written about spoken about have an idea about and you want to share with other people for encouragement um, motivation um, informational purposes whatever the reason may be but you have to pitch an idea so people can see it actually as if it was happening at that time and I did my pitch based on nonfiction books which I had written in 2011 based on love lust lies murder betrayal and the murder of my youngest son. So my books are based on actual events that took place, mm-hmm. and I did the pitch so that I can motivate individuals who think that there's no no life after tragedy because I wanted to commit suicide, homicide. My life was in a dark space. So not having anywhere to put the pain, I was able to write it out okay. and share my experience with the world, people, Um, individuals who had experienced it and didn't know what to do. So I wrote because I wanted individuals to know that it is life after death, you know. And even though sometimes you may not get justice in those situations, we can still have peace and some closure Mm -hmm. by accepting the fact that it's life, things going to happen, and how we deal with it. So my pitch was, it was actually like telling a story. It, It was telling a story about what happened And at the middle of my pitch, close to the ending, I ended it with presenting my books to give them an idea of what happened um, during that transition in my Mm -hmm. life and where I wanted to go. Because one of my questions was going to be, where do you get your ideas or your inspiration? But you get them from life itself. That's true. Pretty much. Okay. Absolutely. So... um, what are the titles of your books that you that you that you have presented your pitch about? Well, the first one was based on my personal relationship mm-hmm. in a domestic violence case, and the reason why it was based on that was because my son was murdered as a result of a domestic violence case, and I'll talk about that in a little while. Okay. But the book came about because it could have been me because mm-hmm. I remember. Um, loving and caring and sharing and going out of my way, putting other people before me, thinking relationships was all I had. And I used to base my relationships 
with love and sex and money because that's what I was taught. Right. You know, I um was molested by my stepfather and he would give me money or he would buy us stuff and he would take care of my mom. So I associated with sex with love. I didn't right. know any better. So what was the name of that book? And this book is called Loving Him and Losing Me. Okay. That's the first book. Uh-huh. Based right. on actual events, based on relationships, domestic uh-huh. violence, right. my marriages, my divorces, and right. how, you know, I it could have been me. So what what um in terms of the characters, are the characters actual people that you knew that were part of your life or were they partially made up in a fictional sense? The characters are actually real. Okay. I just didn't name them. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't give them the, the real name people. I didn't give any names at all. Okay. Go I ahead. just identified the activities that took place in my life. But I will say I did identify myself mm-hmm. as I, okay. you know, me, you know, what I did, how right. I felt, what I was doing, where I was going, mm-hmm. how my experience turned out, you know, how I thought about marriages, what I was allowing myself to go through and the end results of it as well. Okay. All right. So now, um, this is one of the books that you pitched for a film or what? Well, I actually pitched both of them in separate entities for a short film because they are all actual events. Mm -hmm. So I pitched it for, it could be Lifeline, Lifetime, um, based on real events, Mm -hmm. true stories. Right. So I was looking for the producers that was actually listening to the pitch to give me an idea of where it can go. And they told me that it can go not a variety of places, but they had some ideas because they saw the vision. Oh, nice. All right, nice. And that was such a blessing. (laughs) It really was. So in total, you've written two or three books. Correct, three. Three books, okay. So that one was your first. Correct. Now... What is the next, what was the next book? The second book is called Brave Road, which I don't have a copy of tonight. Actually, they, they actually sold out. and the ones right. that, That's good. That's a blessing. <laughs> and re, you know what, Bill? Miss Bill, it's a short read, mm-hmm. but it has so much value because in that book, it's called Brave Road. And the, it's, it's, it's just about me and God having a conversation. Oh, interesting. Because... In the interim of waiting for my son's trial, waiting for them to capture the defendant, mm-hmm. not knowing how it was going to work out right. in my grief process, sure, I was angry. I was hurt. I wanted to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. My whole, whole entire world was dark. And I thought, God, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't you protect my son? Why did my son have to die? He was a good son. He was independent. He was strong. He was a great dad. Mm-hmm. He was a wonderful person. He loved people. Right. And he needed to live so that he can continue to be there for people like he was. He had a, a, a good, good heart. Mm-hmm. So the relationship between me and God was her and she. And her and she was me. Okay. And I was asking God questions and I was waiting for answers and mm-hmm. I was traveling on a a brave road because it was dark and I didn't know where I was going. Sure. And if I can show you the cover of the book, you will see the road and it mm-hmm. has a sun 
over the road, but the road leads to God knows where. Right. So I titled it Brave Road because I had to face a lot of challenges on that road. Being a witness in my own son's murder trial made me a candidate for that brave road. Mm-hmm. And on that road, it was only me and God, Miss Bill. No, I Beryl. Miss Beryl. <laughs> Pardon me, Miss okay. Beryl. So I wrote that book because I was having a conversation with the Lord and nobody could help me. Right. And that's so, where the title came from. If you don't mind me asking um, two things. One, I always like to put a name of victim. Okay. And what was your son's name, and how old was he when when you lost him? Okay, my son is Tyrus Marvin Turner. Okay. And he was 31 years of age Mm -hmm. at the time of his murder. Okay. All right. Thank you. And he was the youngest son. I have an older son who is 41, and um, Tyrus was the youngest. Okay. The next book that you wrote, it was or is? Is My Grieving Heart. Mm Mm-hmm. And my grieving heart talks about the transition of a mother losing her son and not knowing that that void would never be filled. Um, A grieving heart is a heart that has been separated from a place of stability and, 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 and peace. Because when a heart is grieving, it's unlike a heartbreak. A grieving heart for me and my experience Mm -hmm. means it's a place where it can never be refilled. No. Only God can fill that space. Mm -hmm. And when you have a broken heart, you pretty much get through, get past, get over, get around, and accept it and move on. But a grieving heart, it, it comes and it goes because it's been eight years since my son was murdered. And sometimes, Ms. Bill, it feels like yesterday. Beryl. Miss Beryl. Why I keep calling you Miss Bill? I don't know. So that's Mr. Maybe Bill. That's, maybe that's gonna be her married name. <laughs> She's gonna get married, y'all. <laughs> and be Beryl Bill. And be Beryl Bill. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so um, with that in mind, in terms of the pitch and the people you spoke to about the books. Okay. Is it something with all three that you're thinking about working with, or is it one or two of them? Well, as far as I understood it, I believe it would be uh it would be collectively all three because they tie into each other. Okay. So the first one would be about me being the woman that I am. A married life mm-hmm. with two children struggling on public assistance, mm-hmm. then building herself up. Now I'm a college graduate. I no longer is on welfare. That's I'm right. raising my children. So now I have a husband in my life mm-hmm. who is now abusive, and I still believe that he loves me because of how I was brought up. Right. So in the interim of all that, I've now finally learned that I deserve better, I want more, and I don't want my sons to see this happening because now that'll give them the idea of it's okay to abuse women. It's right. okay, you know, to be you on to public. Stop, you have to stop the cycle. Correct. Mm-hmm. Stop the cycle. And what happened was my behaviors were, were so contradictive because if you say that you love me, 
you wouldn't hit me. But I thought, okay, well, you love me. You hit me. You don't want me to go anywhere. That is so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's the first book. And then it rolls over into the brave role where I had to let go of some people, some places, and some things. And my grief allowed me to separate because my grief was so more important than miscellaneous relationships and loving him and losing me didn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Because when he left out of my life, we were together for almost three years, and right. he left a month after I buried my son. Mm. And Miss Beryl, right? Yep. I didn't even realize he was gone until mm. the f- I didn't because it was it, he was no longer important, you know. And I understand. I, and I was like, in my grief, I was trying to figure out when are they going to catch this guy, um, how long is it going to take, and so I went on a Facebook page and I made a fake page, and he befriended me. And all this time that the guy that was in my life, mind you, he had packed up and left, gave me money to pay the month's rent. And I was like, okay, that's fine and all that's Danny, but it didn't even register until maybe two years later. Wow. And what happened was I had saw him in the interim. He called me. Mm. During my grieving process, he was in a room. He had picked up. He was using drugs. He was smoking crack. He was about to get put out. He was about to lose his job. He was living like a pig. And he called me, and I went. Mm, 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 mm. I helped him get his little bit of stuff he had together. I even went to his job for him mm. and told his supervisor this is what's because he asked me, so I did it. Yeah. So when he went into treatment, he was able to come out and get a job. And that was a blessing because now it took me out of my grieving process and I was able to help somebody else. Right. That's why I always say I know today that no matter what happens, it's not always for me. It's for me to help somebody else because if I don't have the experience, how am I going to have a testimony? Mm-hmm. True. So I'm able to, I was able to like, even though in my bitterness and my pain, I was still able to love him. Right. In the spite of. Mm -hmm. I wasn't Mm -hmm. angry with him anymore. I wasn't upset that he left. Because let me tell you, I realize people leave not because they always want to or they should or they could, Mm -hmm. but because they must. Right. Because people in your life for a season, reason, or a lifetime. But because of who I am, I want you to stay forever and ever and ever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not how it goes, right? No, no. So I realize that everybody in my life it's not meant to stay there. They're there for a season or reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I ask God, well, show me the reason because I want people to be in my life because I don't have enemies. I don't, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't have enemies, and I don't even hate anybody. So I said, Lord, show me the people that I need in my life. And if it's your will, remove them. Mm-hmm. And when you got to be careful because God will give you what you ask for, especially if it's a good thing. That's right. So he wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I knew when God removed him out of my life, it was for my purpose. It was for me to heal. It was for me to have a relationship with God, mm-hmm. and he didn't mm-hmm. need no interventions. Right, right. He, don't, he don't need no help. Right. He don't need no third party. No. You know, so I had to solely depend on him. Right, And right. that's where Brave Road rig- really originally came mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when I was writing about my son's murder in my grieving heart, Because, again, going back to where I was saying that the young man was on Facebook, he befriended me. I had a fake page. Mm -hmm. I was a young girl around his age. You're talking about the person that murdered him? Correct. 
I can say it. Friended you on Facebook. He befriended me on Facebook. Mm. And I can say his name because now it's public information. Okay. The case is closed. He got life in prison, thank God. Mm -hmm. And justice was served. It's Dustin Cotton. Yeah. I hear you. And he um, befriended me. And I had a fake page. And I told the lawyers all this because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't trying to, you know, go to jail for perjury and none of that. So mm-hmm. I'm telling you before I even be, became a witness in Did my own. Did this happen in Brooklyn? No, it happened in another state. Another state. Okay. Yes. All right. And <clears throat> I, I made a fake page. And the young lady, my best friend at the time, we did it together. And he befriended me. I was this young, cute little girl. Mm-hmm. And um, he befriended me. Because I hadn't seen him before. Mm-hmm. And then when I did see him, some of my son's friends had showed me him on YouTube. Okay. So I, I took his name. I got his face. I got his picture. So I know who he is. Right. I befriended him. Mm-hmm. Well, he befriended me. I requested He befriended <clears throat> me. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, he was belligerent. He was cursing. Oh, I know that y'all trying to set me up. Y'all B-I-T-C-H's. Y'all ain't smart enough. The cops can't catch me. I'm glad I killed Ty. It felt oh Yes. And not knowing he was talking to the mother of the man he just murdered. Amazing. So God intervened because I wanted to say some things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to curse him out, but I didn't want him to know who he was talking to. Right, right. So I prayed on it. I printed out the information. I sent it to the district attorney's office, and that's how I became a witness in my own son's murder Ooh. trial because I had evidence. Wow. That's something. Amazing. That is something. And and the system was so great. Miss Burl, they were so great. Mm-hmm. I called them every day, every night, all day, all night, every day, every day, all night, all day, every night for almost two years yeah. before the trial. And they never once shut me down. They never once said, stop calling. They never once said they were tired of me. They always gave me love and they they gave me patience. They gave me, you know, they allowed me to feel. They right. allowed me to talk. They answered all my questions. And they were so diligent. Yeah. And two months later, actually, yeah, I would say about two months later when I submitted the documents from the Facebook page yeah. because it had all his, his, um, he was he's he convicted himself pretty right, much. Right, right. How he was glad he killed my son. Um he was laughing. Yeah, all his statements. All his statements, his picture, everything. So you can't say it wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a blessing. I hear you, girl. That was a blessing. So when I became a witness in my son's murder trial, it was because I had information that was pertinent to the case. Yeah. And they caught him almost a month later, which he had fleed to Philadelphia mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. he killed my son in <clears throat> Georgia. Wow. So, although I know all of this came from personal experience, mm-hmm. did you have to reach out and do more research or any other type of research in order to write this book? Um, no, I I didn't do any research because I thought if I did research on um, children being murdered, it mm-hmm. would be tainted and it wouldn't be the full effect of the actual from, event. from your heart. Right. right. Because now it was somebody else's story. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had to do it from the original um, aspect, the original emotion, the original experience, my personal feelings, mm-hmm. and how I felt, how I got through it, how I got past it, and what I was really going through. Because if I would have did it any other way, it would have been tainted, and mm-hmm. it would have been like, did that really happen? Right. You know, right. so it was real. So, so do, you, do you view writing then as kind of a spiritual in, in involvement or practice? Well, I can say for sure Brave Road was mm-hmm. because that conversation was just between me and God. Okay. You know, where I was questioning him, I was waiting for answers, I was discombobulated, I, I was angry at him, I didn't want to talk to him, I stopped going to church, I hated people, my family was isolated, my house looked like crap, mm-hmm. I didn't clean up, I didn't wash my dishes. You were depressed. I think I ate soup for two months. You were depressed. I lost weight, hair fell out, I looked mm-hmm. it horrible. Did you go for any type of counseling for yourself? I did. Um, My job at the time was so wonderful, amazingly supportive. And Mm -hmm. I was there almost 13 years. And I went for counseling, grieving counseling. However, Ms. Burl, it was like, for real? Am I really here? Because at the time... Look, I'm not putting therapists down, psych- none of that. But I'm Mm -hmm. just talking about my experience. I'm left feeling worse than I went in. Why? Why um, do you think? Why do you think that is? Because it was like, okay, the facilitator, she didn't have a murder child. Okay. You know, it was a, a immediate family member, but it wasn't her child, and they weren't murdered. It was an accident. Okay. So I'm like, how do you compare the two? You can't. So I'm like, you're doing grieving counseling, and you're mm-hmm. trying to help. And when I left, I felt like you know I'm not going back here ever again. So I had to separate. Um, my my feelings from her professionalism. Yeah. And I told my supervisor, I said, I can't go there because I'm not feeling like I'm being helped. It wasn't the right group for you. Yeah, it wasn't the no. right group. <clears throat> and then even the 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 the, the, the clients that were there as well were, were sharing stories about, oh well, their son, their daughter had an illness. They, I'm like, I'm talking about. My son being no, stabbed in his chest no, it's different. with a 10-inch butcher knife, yeah. piercing his heart and his liver. Mm, and you talking about, okay, well, hit by a car, drunk driver, and died, like, instantly. Yeah. So, I didn't want to... But you can't com- put down their... Reason. No. It, I, just, right. it just did not suit it's a diff- right. the, the extent of a- exactly. what your case was about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't... Well... Well, it was murder because, in in a sense, you hit somebody with a car. It was it was no, it is. That's, that's it was murder. It's still murder. That's homicide, homicide, yeah. vehicle homicide. Yes. When you talk about um, malice, murder. No, right? that's it's a sim- violent, ma- yes, malicious. It, exactly, and that's exactly the charges he got. Yes. The, jar- the judge gave him just those exact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, charges. Wow. So I I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I can't, like you said, I can't minimize their hurt regardless no. of how the person died, the child died or whatever, mm-hmm. because it's still um, a, missing, a heartbreaking right. experience and it's still trauma. And anytime a mother has to bury or a father child. has to bury their child, it's something that's unnatural. It's unspeakable. Yes, unnatural. It's, yes. 
Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So instead of, you know, acting out in the group, I never act out in the group. And they, they don't even know up to this day how I felt mm-hmm. because I respected, like you said, I respected their experience. I respected how they felt. I respected their loved ones right. and I wished them all the well. But I knew what I, I was carrying. Right. Let me you ask know? you a question mm-hmm. in reference to the fact that you had an older son. So... You said your son was murdered when he was 31? My, yes, my youngest son. When he was 31. He was 31. And the oldest son was it's, 40. No, was, he's 40 now. He's 40 now. So Correct. how much older is he then? They're two years apart. Okay. So how had this affected your oldest son? And was he living in the same town or place that the youngest son was living at the time? Were they close? They were very close. Uh-huh. And my oldest son was here in New York, and my youngest son, who was murdered, was in Georgia. Okay. And they were very close. And it affected him to the point where he almost gave up on life. You know, uh-huh. he he thought about the same thing I thought about. Suicide. Suicide, homicide. Uh-huh. Um, he He lost his job. He pretty much... Stopped functioning. Uh-huh. He wasn't eating. He wasn't sleeping. He lost his apartment. So he had to move back in with me. Yeah. And, you know, we had to be each other's strength. Oh, yeah. You, because it was a help now, in terms of support. Exactly. Because now we're all we have. So yeah. it was me and my oldest son. Mm-hmm. How was he and doing thank now? God, thank God. Thank God. He's doing good. Mm-hmm. He's um he's accepted the fact that his youngest brother is gone, even though he don't like it. Yeah. And at times he still say some things like, Ma, like, I don't know what to do right now today. I miss Ty. I want to see him. I, I want my brother back. You know, and I identify and I tell him it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay because I go through that as well. You know, but he's doing good. He's, um... Has another place, but thank God, because uh-huh. you gotta go. <laughs> and at the time, you gotta go. It's okay. Like, like Todd, like was an example for you, even though he was your younger brother. Right. He was your example, and you know he was independent and strong, and he wanted us to build ourselves up. He don't want us to build ourselves down. That's why I need my son to live on because he was, he was so amazing. He started out as a busboy. And Applebee's. Okay. And within a year time, he was a top chef. Wow. Within a year, he started a union for Applebee's. Stop it. He started a union for Applebee's. And then when he moved, they moved him with his job when he moved out of the state. Mm -hmm. But then he went back to school for medical billing. He was like, Mom, I'm tired of cooking. I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And um, he went back for medical billing and he was starting to work in a hospital yeah. and when all this took place because wow. the, the young man that he moved in his house ended up killing him. Did he have any children? He has three children. Uh-huh. My oldest granddaughter is 20. Wow. <laughs> My youngest grandson now, he is amazing. Mm-hmm. They all are, but he is amazing. My grandson is nine. Yeah. And my middle daughter, the one that he was raising now, she's 13. All right. Okay. And do they live close by or are they live down mm, south? No. Well, recently, the youngest one, he just moved, his mom just moved to Tallahassee. Uh-huh. And um, my middle daughter, the one Tarbus was raising, she's in Virginia. Uh-huh. And my oldest daughter's here, my oldest granddaughter's here in New York. Uh-huh. Sean, my oldest son, he has two sons. They live in the Bronx. They live in the Bronx. Okay. So you get to see them. Every now and then. Well, not like I would like to, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. 
I understand. On occasion. I'm a but, grandmother. Yeah. It's hard. But <laughs> you know how that rolls. <laughs> but the one Tyrus was raising, I don't get to see her because of selfish reasons. Okay. But you know what, though? I just turn that Keep over. Keep it in prayer. I, Keep it in amen. prayer. Amen. Uh-huh. T- you took the words out of my mouth because I know everything happened for a reason. That's right. And you know what I was saying the other day, and the bus driver was telling me on my way here, he said, you know what? I was helping somebody out, and they tried to get me fired, but instead they got fired. Okay. So karma. It's I'm called what? karma. Exactly. With the big K. K A R M A. Karma. You don't want to mess with what karma. You sow. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't always the best mom. Mm-hmm. I wasn't always the best grandmother. Well, you know what? We, we 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 when when we become mothers and when we become grandmothers, we only can do as much as we know to do and at what the time. We was taught. Exactly. That's right. And hopefully with the presence of God. You improve as time goes on. And we all make mistakes because we're human. Absolutely. And we have to recognize that in one another. Yes. For example, there is someone very, very close to me that has done some, what I feel, some pretty bad mistakes in reference to me in maybe the last 15 to 20 years. But before that, there was 20 years. Okay. And during those 20 years, that person taught me so much that person was for and with me on so many important occasions, occasions okay. et cetera. So you have to take with what the good with the bad. The bad, exactly. Okay, so yeah, you did all of this nonsense now, but I can't forget all of the goodness you did that's as right. well. That's so, right. That's life. It balances itself out right. one way or another. That's, that's and life. that's where, where forgiveness come in at because mm-hmm. what happens is I realize in forgiving, I don't I don't hurt anymore. Right. So there's nothing you can do to hurt me to the point where I feel like, you know what, I don't like you. I can't stand you. Mm-hmm. I hate you. You know, so... I have to look at it as a learning experience mm-hmm. and know better so I do better. I have an expression, let go and let God. Let go and let God. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> let go and let God. It soothes the soul. It soothes the soul <laughs> and calms the savage beast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> like music to your ears, right? That's right. So with these um, three books, what have you found to be a successful way of marketing them? Hmm. I would say, first of all, I have publishers because I needed them to be litigated. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is the actual event, so I didn't want no legal repercussions because I didn't know. And I just needed to get the story out, let people know that we can live through tragedies and be encouraging and a motivating factor as opposed to just like crying and moaning and going through and feeling sorry and, right. you know, not thinking life is is, is is good or we can't get up from that muck and the mire in our emotions. Yeah. So what I find is that when I, I put the books out there, Marketing-wise, I think the best part for me is when I actually physically autograph it to someone and tell them, thank you, enjoy it, I hope it encourages you, and I get a hug. Because it's that contact, the intimate contact, that I see the person that's going to read the book. They get to see me who wrote the book, and we have a connection. So even if they read something in the book, I had a young lady buy my book the other day. 
And she called me two days after she bought the book. Mm-hmm. And she was on the phone. And I knew it was her because her number and her name showed up. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I answered it with so much gratitude. Like, hey, how you doing? I'm so glad you called me. <laughs> and all I heard was sniffling. Wow. You okay? I'm good. All I heard was sniffling, and she says, she says, Cynthia, you're amazing. I don't know how you did it, but I started to read in your book, and all I could do is cry. Mm -hmm. But I kept reading, and I was still encouraged. Yeah. So I said, the purpose, now, she didn't have um, a murdered child. She didn't have, you know, um, someone as dead dear killed or anything Mm -hmm. of that nature. Mm -hmm. But she said she felt the sincerity and the intimacy and and the pain that I felt. She she had empathy for what you had gone through. And and she was also enduring the strength through the pain. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. I want I want the strength through the pain. I don't want I don't want people calling me you know, with um, the sadness and the, the emotion is good because that means you're connected. Mm-hmm. And and that's the purpose of it because I want my son to live on because he was such an inspiration to so many people. And people love my son. Even mm-hmm. even today, my son's friends still call me. Yeah. Eight years later to say, Ma, how you doing? I miss Ty. Yeah, today is his birthday. They right. give him shout outs, right. you know, all that good stuff. Right. So, you know, like if people say, you know what, I'll be there for you, but mm. then something happened, you don't see them two or three weeks later, two or three years later. Right. But right. continuously the love and concern, the text, the e- whatever. Yeah. So they still in my life. But she called <laughs> me and I said to her, I said, I'm I'm grateful that you have a connection with love and, and, and encouragement and you have a feel for when somebody go through something, how they get through it. So it's, it strengthens you. I don't want it to make mm-hmm. you feel sad or weak or bad, but it strengthens you. And she said, I have no idea what you went through, but i tell you this. I am so proud of you. Wow. And that's <laughs> what I looked for, you know, through all the tears. Yeah. And that's what I want people to get from my books. Even during the times where I was being abused and I thought it was okay to be abused. Because sometimes women don't want you to know they're being abused because the men may be buying them stuff. They may be looking good. When they're on the, when they're on the outside, they smiling, they holding hands, they hugging. But when they get home, it's another story. So... It's almost like, you know, the pretty much like the hidden agenda. I don't want you to know my man ain't no good because when we outside, I look good. Mm-hmm. But two weeks later, three weeks later, or a month ago, I had a black eye, but you didn't see me. Yeah, yeah. So I had the right to let women know that, you know what, we are beautiful. We don't have to settle. And we can love ourselves before we love somebody else. Sure. So it's just <clears> a blessing. <throat> That I wrote these books because it helped me with some freedom. It helped me with some peace. It helped me to help other people. It lets me know it's not just about me. God had gave me this task so I can help somebody else who don't think they can get through it. And that's how I'm continuously growing and showing up. And I have a vision Mm -hmm. for this to be a film because I need the whole world to see. Some people may not read books. They may go to movies. Some people don't go to the movie. They may read books. So Mm -hmm. either way you put it. They're going to get the encouragement. They're going to say, wow, God is good. God is real. And I could get through anything. 
Right. Because well, that's the purpose. Have you thought of or do you do motivational speaking? In the first, actually, the first three years when my son was married, 2013, 14, and 15, that's mm-hmm. all I did. Right. I was doing motivational speaking for the precincts. I was doing motivational speaking for schools. I was doing motivational for Horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing motivational for Battle Women. I was doing motivational speaking for N.A. I was. Doing- Have you thought about doing it actually to, let's say, the prisoners? I have, and actually, I was... um. Supposed to do a, a a motivational speech engagement with a young lady I grew up with last year. Okay, but she died. Wow. She did a um a vision board, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was twenty two women. She did a vision board, and we was we got a vision board. We planned it out. We saw our goals, set our goals. Um, some of the some of the things on the vision board came to pass. Some of them are still aligning up. And she died last year. Wow. So, um, but I'm, so I'm thinking about actually uh, motivational speaking to people who have committed violent crimes. Right, right. You know, especially the male population. Okay. So that they can get a one in, one-on-one feeling with someone who was left behind due to their crime. Okay. I wonder how that might play out. Just in terms of um, a way to give them a chance to have a feel, have feelings, or be a, being able to be in touch with a family member, okay, who was you know a victim of that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a thought. Just a thought. I, you know, I think that's like so very, very important. Because it's, it's, it's ironic that you mentioned that because I thought about writing the board um, of criminal justice system mm-hmm. and, and speaking to the young man that murdered my son because right. I still have unanswered questions. Even though he's serving life, even though he's in prison, mm-hmm. and he, I'm, I'm quite sure he thinks about my son every day because you're in prison because of him and your actions. Mm-hmm. So... I thought, you know, God, I need to really pray on this because if I get the opportunity to see him again, I don't know I will be as humble as I think I will be. Even in the state of forgiveness, I may not be as forgiving as I think I am or say I am. Mm -hmm. And even though trusting God with this, as I I would be if I see him face to face. Someone here. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But speaking to individuals who have committed violent crimes— against other individuals, I think that um, it would have to be a open-ended conversation because, you know, you ask questions like, well, how did you feel when that happened? You know, you want to ask them questions that won't impact them to be angry. You right. know, you want to impact them to say, you know what, I, I'm remorseful. Right. I, I apologize. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Right. Hearing you speak, let's say, from the standpoint of, writing these books mm-hmm. because it is about your son and it was part of a healing process for you. Definitely. As opposed to just going at them as in terms of what they did. Okay. That getting back to your books, um I was going to ask you what what part of your writing process 
especially because of the type of books these are, have you enjoyed doing? And what parts did you really hate doing? Okay. Uh, Miss Barrel, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I hated the entire process. Uh -huh. And the reason why I say I hated the entire... Now, hate is a strong word, but yes. it's, it's, it's talking about some literature. Yes. So I, I can use that in that content. Mm -hmm. But I hated writing these books because it came from such a dark place. Okay. That's you know, fair. if it would have been books about happiness, um, children growing up in this wonderful place, and now you see them and they are, you know, they're professors and mm -hmm. they're healthy and they now they're taking care of their parents who are in their hundreds and, yeah. you know, planting mm -hmm. in a garden. <laughs> they got like three a happy, dogs. A happy ending. Happy ending. ending. <laughs> I would have been like, yippee, yippee. Yeah. You know? And on the other hand, I'm grateful that I was able to write these books because I had so many women, specifically I need to say, women who have lost their sons. Not so much pertaining to the first book, Loving Him and Living With Me, because a lot of relationships, women are in or domestic violence cases, they still with them anyway. So, mm -hmm. you know, because I know I kept going back until I, you know, I just had enough. Yeah. But my grieving heart, it was so many women that was grateful that I had the courage and the strength to write because I gave them courage and them strength. One young lady from, I think she was from Massachusetts, Boston, Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember the state, but I know she was not from New York. Mm -hmm. And she befriended <clears throat> me on my Facebook page, and all she said was, I lost my son, and I just want to say thank you. Wow. That was the whole sentence. Huh. And when I looked, I was like, wow, who is she? So we started communicating, and she was telling me at the time she lost her son a month ago, a month ago, and how did I not commit suicide because that's what she wanted to do. And for a moment, be honest with you, I told her I really didn't have an answer because I, too, wanted to commit suicide because the pain was so great. But what I did was remember that my son wouldn't have wanted that. And when I remember my son not have wanting to want that, it gave me some strength to move on. And not only that, I needed to see this case through. Mm -hmm. I needed justice to be served. Yes. I needed to show up for court. I needed to see my granddaughter. I needed to be strong for her. Yeah. I needed to say that, you know what? I can get through this. And that's how I gave her strength for like hopefully to to move on. Yeah. And she was like, "Thank you." Like So, I know that one thing for sure, if nothing else, when we collaborate and talk about our grief, we uh -huh. get strength because yes. it feels like one side of my heart is pumping, and the other side is not. So when I'm talking to someone who has lost a child, now we have a whole heartbeat. True. And that gives us the strength. <clears throat> well, I also think it's very important. I come from <coughs> I come from the school of when someone I love has passed on. I like to continue to talk about them. 
talk about the good things, the mm-hmm. good times we had, mm-hmm. the things we did together, what they may have taught me, you know, whether it's as small as Absolutely. smelling a rose yes. or or picking a peach and making peach pie, <laughs> because that is what keeps those people alive. The memories, that's right. That's right. So even if you don't have a photograph of those people, you have a photograph in your in mind. In your mind and your heart. Of, and it's important to show that. So that way they won't be forgotten. That's right. You know, they won't be forgotten. So I talk about my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I talk about my great-grandmother, okay. my mom, um, my brother-in-law, my ex-husband, whoever it is, okay. my friends who have passed on. Mm-hmm. I try and bring them up okay. so that their memory, their Live. life, their exactly. name stays alive. Okay. And that's what you're definitely doing yes. through your books and speaking about the son that you've lost. Um, thank you so much, Cynthia. Yes. Please um, let me know or let, let, our, let our listeners know the title of your books again. Okay. The first one is Loving Him and Losing Me, Cynthia Turner. The second one is Brave Road. You can find that on 48-hour books. Is it on Amazon, too? That one's not because it's okay. self-published. All right. Sorry. And this one is called My Heart, which is on Lulu.com. Now, you can find these two on Amazon, buy books on the web, mm-hmm. Lulu.com. Um, it's on Kindle as well. Right. And, of course, the author herself. Right. Cynthia Turner. Cynthia Turner. Thank you again, Cynthia. Thank and you, Ms. We'll keep we'll keep abreast in reference to anything that might be happening with the further development of your books, whether it be film, documentaries, or whatever the case may be. Thank you again, and and the best with them. Thank you so much, Ms. Bill. You have been absolutely marvelous, and thank you, everybody, for watching. I hope you got encouraged and Listening, because this is a podcast. Yes, it is. (laughs) Have a great night. Thank you once again, Ms. Bill. You're welcome. Come back soon. Thank you for listening to the Creative Force Podcast with your host, Beryl. If you liked what you heard, come back and let others know about Creative Force. Until next time, be well, be creative, and enjoy living.